0: Symbol of excellence in sports entertainment.
1: Oh man, I think I really got it together now. I got the A, the calcium, the carbohydrates, all the vitamins I need. Hulk, what's up? What are you doing? What do you mean, what's up, mean, Gene? I'm getting ready for that no-good low-life rattlesnake. Terry Funk, man! This is how you prepare for a title defense. You better believe it, Mean Gene! This is my high-test gasoline! This is a Hulkster's patented Python protein drink! And don't you dare give Terry Funk the recipe, man! Give it a good shot! That'll get you real pumped up, Mean Gene! <sighs> pretty good, huh? Ooh! 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 Oh, yeah! Yeah, Mean Gene! Nope, you nope, nope! A little more biceps! A little more tribes! You better try some more of this!
2: Now, welcome to a very special episode of the Twenty Four Inch Podcast. My name is Steve Bennett. That was Paula Bennett. And of course, with us now from Sopranos Town, USA, Mr. Hollywood, Florida, Dave Rollins. What's up, Dave?
0: Hey hey guys, what's going on, Steve and Paula? Paula, you sounded like me singing there for a second. <laughs> I thought I was back at karaoke night.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to lighten up the mood on a, yeah, a sombre on a
0: somber night. The tough, wrestling.
2: tough night and tough summer for wrestling fans. And it caused Dave and I to to, to throw an audible at you. Uh, we were planning tonight on getting together uh, to record our SummerSlam 2005 episode where Hulk Hogan faces Shawn Michaels.
1: Shawn Michaels.
2: Yep. And we prepared. We had watched the shows independently and we were ready to go. And then Dave texted me this afternoon and said, oh, man, you know, Terry Funk has passed away. Um, So I got to thinking and I said, you know, we should really do some kind of tribute episode to Terry Funk since it just happened the day we're going to record. So what we're going to do is we have some fresh content for you here. We're going to talk about we're going to remember Terry Funk, talk about what we've been up to, do the usual things we do in the opening. Um, And then we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to play the two segments Uh, That aired in our season two premiere, episode twenty sixth, when we covered Hulk Hogan's match against Terry Funk from Saturday Night's main event in 1986.
1: 1986.
2: So what you'll hear then after this, you'll hear the um, bio of the Sundome in Florida and the Terry Funk bio that we did. And also Where's Hulk that Dave did back then. And then after that, we will do the, um, you will hear the, the news from January of 1986, and you will hear the coverage of the show and, of course, the Hulk versus Terry Funk match. So that's repackaged material, but very relevant, of course, to the passing of Terry Funk and sort of our way to play tribute to, them, to him. After that, when you come back, Paula, Dave, and I will be back again with fresh emails and announcement with what we're going to do on the next show. So we have some new content in the beginning, some new content at the end, and then in the middle um, is what we recorded for the season two premiere way back episode 26. So sound good to you, Dave? Good plan, right?
0: Sounds great to me. I just want to get into talking a little bit about the Funker. Yeah. What? Here.
2: Where, how did you? Did you just find? You just opened your phone and found out kind of a thing. Yeah. yeah.
0: Just scrolling on Facebook. You know, we would have done the same thing for the Iron Sheik, uh, but obviously we had just done our second Iron Sheik match with Hogan. Yep. And uh, so that's why we didn't do that. And Superstar Billy Graham, uh, we don't have enough of his matches in our era. I wouldn't think. Just those few. That little run in nineteen eighty seven is all we got out of him in our era. But, God, things happen in three. Superstar went in May. The Iron Sheik passed in in, uh, June. And now in the month of August is Terry Funk. Three A-listers. And all around the same age.
2: Yeah. As well. And that is the one silver lining, I think, with these three, is at least it's an age-appropriate passing. You know, so often when these guys, the wrestlers from our youth, pass away, the first thing you say is they were so young or it was so sad or what a tragedy. I don't know that these are tragedies. I think these are obviously they're yeah. very sad moments. We'll miss them. But at least, at least, and this helps me as a wrestling fan, it doesn't feel dirty. It's just a guy lived his life and died. It's a full life. You know what I mean? They, they lived the, people, you know, these days, yeah.
0: people can live a little longer, 79. But 79,
2: I mean. It's a full life.
0: It's a full life. So, yeah.
2: so you know, and, and someone like Terry Funk, he got all he got all 79 years out of that body, right? I mean, he wrestled into his 70s. He was doing moonsaults at uh, 54 years old. Yeah, so the guy was a, an absolute beast. I'll always remember him for the amazing stuff in Beyond the Mat. Um, you know, if you haven't watched in a while. Now would be a good time. The
1: word is forever. What's that, Paul? I think the better word is forever.
2: Forever. We'll always have the Funker, right?
0: Forever together.
2: That's but uh, right. he's great on that... Um, on that documentary. I love him begging that, that guy who will only I'm not booked, Terry. I'm not booked. Uh Dennis Stamp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> Dennis Stamp. Jumping on a trampoline. Yeah, he cracks it. I'm not booked, Terry. He's just begging this doofus to referee the match. Yeah. It's too good. But um, and you know Yeah.
0: You know, Steve, I just wanna get this in here. If it wasn't for Terry Funk, we might not be doing this podcast right now. Yeah, man.
2: tell him the history.
0: Because Terry Funk is the one that introduced Sylvester Stallone into the world of wrestling with the movie Paradise Alley. If anybody can look up that movie, I don't know if it's on YouTube or streaming anywhere. I have seen it only once. I caught it on cable real late night uh, one time. Paradise Alley, it's a movie about wrestling that Sylvester Stallone wrote. And he worked on it with Terry Funk. Terry Funk's in the movie. He's also in Roadhouse with Patrick Swayze, as we all know. But uh, if it wasn't for Terry Funk uh, introducing Stallone into the the world of wrestling, probably Stallone never would have put a wrestling part into Rocky Three. Hogan would have never got over to the point that he's he's at. You know what I mean? So what's the word? The the effect? The butterfly effect? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the butterfly effect goes back to Terry Funk and uh, introducing Sylvester Stallone into the world of wrestling. We thank you very much. Terry Funk and your great wrestling family right here at the uh, wrestling, at the 24-inch podcast.
2: Yeah, and a cool thing, if you want to watch Paradise Alley, it does have a Blu-ray release, oh. um, and it's only 12 bucks on Amazon right now. So if you're interested in the movie, you can check it out on Amazon,
0: Amazon. for $12. Yeah, Funk also, I, I mentioned he was in Roadhouse, which is the most famous movie, but he also was in Episode of Thunder and Paradise alongside Hulk Hogan. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, something you could probably also find out there somewhere, maybe on um, maybe on uh, YouTube as well. Thunder in Paradise, Terry Funk and Hulk Hogan. Funk had one of the memorable LJN figures, one of the coolest ones, came with the branding iron and hat and everything. Yeah. And just, just countless. He came into WWF. You know, I mean, we don't know as much about the past with the NWA. You know, he's a former NWA champion, of course. And everything, but he came in WWF right after Macho Man in the summer of '85. Didn't last nowhere near as long as Macho Man, only lasted up till mid '86. Uh, after his feud with the Junkyard Dog, he said, Jimmy, I've had enough, Jimmy. I can't, I can't keep working with the dog. <laughs> yeah. But uh, then he did return in the Attitude Era, but I wasn't really watching as closely at that time. But at, I did enjoy his run in ECW. He uh, won the championship in a three-way dance at the first ever pay-per-view ECW Barely Legal of 1997.
2: Yep, I remember it well. Uh, Got to see Terry Funk in Buffalo a couple times working ECW, which was very cool. Uh, I was watching when he came back in the 90s. He was the one who ran into the ring uh, when Mick Foley got dropped through the second time. took uh, Took a choke slam to buy some time. His shoes fell off. Um, and then also he was in a great match at WrestleMania 14 um, as Chainsaw Charlie with Mick Foley. They did like a dumpster match, a tag team match for the title against the New Age Outlaws. It's probably one of the better WrestleMania matches in that that Attitude Era. Um, so he did some cool stuff when he was back working with Foley. Uh, it's a short run, but it was cool to have him back. And like you said, the good stuff he did at ECW, becoming the you know the first. The winner of the first pay per view main event. And um, he retired a lot, came back a lot. Um, and, you know, yeah, doing- he
0: even returned to WCW in the year 2000. A lot of people don't know that. I was in like commissioner type role for a while. Uh, did some work with Chris Candido over there, which I thought was uh, pretty cool for WCW 2000. A lot of people don't know a lot about it, but uh, that was a nice little feud there, uh, uh, Candido and uh, Terry
2: Funk. He was supposed to be a a part of the Bret Hart Survivor Series match the one year, too. Right, but his horse was sick. Yeah, Bruce Pritchard tells the story that he basically just packed up his outfit, gave it back, said his horse was sick and left. So whatever happened there. But that was another time he was around. Um, Look at, I mean, an absolute legend of the business. His horse was sick. Yeah, he, he had a ranch in Texas. And um we don't think his horse was actually sick. We think he used that as an excuse to leave.
0: Yeah, the payoffs weren't that good ninety yeah. three.
2: Yeah, it was just it was a bum. A Who bum- they
0: ended up having, uh Valentine, Horowitz, and uh Jeff Gaylord, I believe.
2: Yeah, that sounds right.
0: Yeah, I think Horowitz took um Funk's place.
2: Yeah, that sounds right. and um see I don't think that horse was actually sick. I think uh. he, he's just get getting out of dodge. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, it's certainly a living legend. You're going to have people, you know, say who are the what's the Mount Rushmore of wrestlers and not just the WWF, but the whole business from the 1950s. to. He's going to be on a lot of Mount Rushmore's. You know, a lot of people will say he's the greatest of all time and, you know, in some respects. So
0: up there and also we can't forget about his 1989 feud. With Nature Boy Ric Flair in uh, the NWA,
2: right after the was Steamboat feud, right after the Steamboat feud, yeah, right. Yep, and and that uh, Meltzer gave him and Flair a five star match, so like Flair yeah. had like four or five star matches in a row, and one of them was with Funk in '89. So still putting on. I mean, in by 1990, he was what in his 40s at least, right? So
0: oh, way more than that. He was in his 40s in the WWF in the mid 80s. Okay,
2: well, there you go. Just so, like yeah. she,
0: like chic, chic, just like chic. You know, so um Yeah. Yeah, so by then he might have been, you know, mid forties to late forties by eighty nine.
2: Yeah. So really you gotta do the math in your head. Yeah. Yeah, really good stuff that you could watch there. If you're looking for some matches to watch, I would suggest that that one versus Flair um in eighty nine. I'd suggest the WrestleMania fourteen match, uh for sure, uh with Mick Foley against the New Age Outlaws. And the match we're gonna talk about tonight, his his main event in uh with Hulkster. With the Hulkster, it's their night's main event. And he had a good match at WrestleMania 2, sort of an underrated yeah, I was gonna say that. match there. Yeah. that. The, the, the WrestleMania 2 takes heat because the first hour is kind of not great. But once you get to Chicago and the women's match ends, everything from then on, I think, it's good. It's Yeah, really good. Yeah. And Funk's match is, is part of that. Uh, right. That really, and it's few, really you know, good.
0: Big few with JYD. And uh, who, who could forget? I believe this was Funk's in ring debut. When he uh, Mel Phillips was taking his gear from him, you know his chaps and his yeah. uh, whatever whatever he wear. But Mel Phillips, you know, he, he ran out of hands and feet. <laughs> but uh, he ran out of hands, so he put uh, Terry Funk's hat on his head, and you know, put a Texans hat on your head, brother. And Funk just did a big number on Mel Phillips there, stomped a mud hole in him. Mel might have enjoyed that, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah, Terry did a, a big number on Mel Phillips, and he also. Did, uh, they did a uh, little skit on TNT, Tuesday Night Titans, where they visited Terry Funk at a bar. Oh, my God, do I miss when wrestling was like this. My God. I'm probably going to watch this tonight. Where they, Lord Alfred and Vince visit Terry Funk at a bar.
2: Oh, yeah. And, I remember and this.
0: Have, and they bring Tony Gurria in. And Tony Gurria starts talking to one of the chicks there. Now, of course, all the chicks belong to Terry Funk at his bar. So you just see him getting more pissed and chewing his tobacco and spitting it out, and he's not listening to Vince and Alfred, and they're going, Mr. Funk, Mr. Funk, are you with us? Mr. Funk. Then all of a sudden he just beats the crap out of Tony Gurria, slams him through the bar tables and everything. It's just such, such good stuff.
2: Yeah, really good. So what we're going to do tonight, we're going to pay tribute to Terry Funk and his great career by uh, going back and looking at episode 26 of this podcast. So we'll take a break now. When we come back, what you're going to be hearing was recorded in January of 2022. I believe to so keep that in mind right before I died.
0: Yeah. Uh, and, it's, it's went, our...
2: and went to heaven for eight months.
0: <laughs> well, thank God you're still there. It's always yeah. a, a, a good thing because we have so, so many, not many episodes in that season that people may have skipped it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. going back to that one.
2: Yeah. So we're going to go back to that. And then uh, after we talk about the match, uh, when we come back from that, it will be Paula, Dave, and I live again. So let's take a break, and we'll be right back as we teleport you back to January of 2022 for the season two premiere, episode 26 of the Sportscasters, or excuse me, the 24 Inch Podcast. We call them the B Block and the C Block. And then Paula, Dave, and I will be back for the D Block. D Block. sportscasters 24 inch podcast listeners your favorite podcast host steve bennett has a new show it's three by five with steve bennett new episodes every tuesday and this time it's on youtube search north south connection on youtube for the show each week three lists of five each episode like comment subscribe it's three by five with steve bennett 24-inch podcast, we are back, the first B segment of the year, and of course tonight we're covering Saturday night's main event from the USF Sun Gnome uh, in Tampa, Florida, on the campus, as they say, of the University of South Florida. The venue is now called the Yingling Center, but before we get carried away on that, let's talk about Hulk's opponent on the night, and his name is Terry Funk, an absolute legend, One of the all time professional wrestling. He was born June 30th, 1944 in Hammond, Indiana. Uh, He's 77 years young to this day where he lives in Amarillo, Texas uh, on the ranch. His his alma mater is West West Texas State University, which means he's one of many of wrestlers who played football at West Texas State uh, and then became a wrestler. Guys like. Ted DiBiase and Tito Santana and give me a couple more, Dave.
0: Uh, Tully Blanchard.
2: Tully Blanchard, who was a quarterback, sure. I believe. There,
0: I believe so. Yes.
2: Uh, he's been married to his wife Vicky uh, from 1965 until her passing in 2019. Uh, that was very right sad. Two children. Of course, his father was Dory Funk. His brother Dory Funk Jr. Both, you know, accomplished wrestlers of their own. He's had many ring names. Of course, Chainsaw Charlie. Yeah. Uh, Doctor Knows It All, the Texan, the Black Baron, and Terry Funk, six foot one, two forty seven, built from Amarillo, Texas, uh, trained by Dory Funk, debuted in nineteen sixty five, and retired, I guess, officially now, uh, in two thousand seventeen. Wow, yeah,
0: I didn't even realize he had a match two thousand seventeen, or I <laughs> forgot about it.
2: Um, crazy. So, like I said, he was born in Indiana, and then after World War II, It's when his family relocated to Texas. Uh, They grew up in the business. His dad was a wrestler and a promoter. Uh, And after he graduated high school, uh, he went to West Texas State, which, by the way, is now West Texas A&M University. Uh, And he was a two-athlete star there, not only football but also amateur wrestling. And then in 65, he started his career working in his father's Western State Sports Promotion. In Amarillo, Texas. And his debut match was against?
0: Mm. Debut match. Not Jack Briscoe. That's who he won a title from.
2: Sputnik Monroe.
0: I've heard that name. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: He's got his own page.
0: Yeah.
2: Good old Sputnik.
0: That's like a Jim Cornette, I yeah. think, uh, name of topic, for topic of name.
2: Rig names, Elvis Rock Monroe, Pretty Boy Rock, Rock Monroe, Sputnik Monroe. Wichita, Kansas. Good for him. Uh, He and his brother quickly rose up the ranks as a tag team. And in single matches against top names like Ernie Ladd and Hank James.
0: stealing money, Bundy.
2: (laughs) Bundy, Bundy, (laughs) Bundy. Uh, He moved on to the NWA Championship Wrestling from Florida in 1970. And in 75, he defeated Jack Briscoe for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship in Miami. Uh, when Dory failed to appear for a title shot, he began a 14-month title reign defending the title against guys like Jack Briscoe, Dusty Rhodes, Carlos Racha, Giant Baba, Pat O'Connor. In addition to North America, he went to Australia, Japan, and Singapore with the belt. And his historic title reign ended in Toronto when he was defeated by... The handsome one, Harley Race. Yes, who had earlier beaten Dory for... NWA World Heavyweight Championship before losing it to Jack Briscoe. Uh, Race lifted Funk for a shin breaker and then trapped him in an Indian death leg lock. When Funk failed to respond to referee Fred Atkins, the match was stopped. So he pulled the old, I'm not going to give up, brother, but the match passed had it stopped. passed out from the pain, and Harley Race was the champion. During nineteen eighty one, I like I actually like that. I like that kind of finish. Oh there. yeah, it's awesome. And a tough guy era, like that too.
0: Yeah, in our era, that was Savage uh, losing the belt back to Flair in ninety two.
2: Yes, Hershey. yeah, and of course the famous double turn with Austin too. But. Of
0: course, yeah, of course.
2: Uh, during eighty one, Terry spent some time in the Continental Wrestling Association feuding with Lawler. I think everyone in wrestling spent some time doing that. Uh, the most mem- memorable match in this feud happened in April of eighty one at the Mid South Coliseum. In Tennessee, it took place in an empty arena with only Lance Russell, a cameraman, and a photographer present. Funk had challenged Lawler to this match at this time because he felt he was getting unfairly treated in Memphis, and I'm sure he was. The confrontation only lasted a few minutes and ended with Funk trying to put Lawler's eye out with a broken 2x4, but wow. Lawler kicked Funk's elbow, causing him to hit himself in the eye. Uh, the tape yeah. aired on April 25th, 1981.
0: That's a uh that's a famous one. Sorry to cut you off, but yeah. they they copied that, I guess uh Mankind and the Rock at the right. Super Bowl. Yep. Super Bowl halftime.
2: Yeah.
0: Very, I remember very
2: remember watching that Rock and um Mankind match. Mankind, yeah, yeah the during the Super Bowl for sure. Uh Terry and Dory also made names for themselves in Japan. Uh, Terry becoming star in the eyes of the Japanese fans with his over the top mannerisms. I mean, he's the perfect American wrestler in Japan, really. Um, they were heels there until they faced the Sheik and Abdullah Butcher in Tokyo, uh, and that kind of made them faces. And they later had feuds against Stan Hansen, Bruiser Brody, Giant Baba. The names you hear when you talk about all Japan Pro Wrestling from this era, right? Yeah. And that brings us to '85, where he makes his World Wrestling Federation debut after a brief run uh, with Vern in the AWA. Uh, he televised debut on Championship Wrestling. He beat.
0: Mel, Ph- oh, he beat Ricky Santana, who was known as Aldo Marino. Correct. There, but who would he beat up?
2: Mel Phillips. <laughs> uh, funk attacked Phillips after Phillips made the mistake of putting on Funk's cowboy hat. You don't do that, damn it!
0: I always when you know, when I saw like I wasn't quite watching wrestling on a regular basis yet, but uh, anytime I saw clips of it, I, I just didn't get it. Like, why is he putting the hat on? And then, like an, an adult watching it with me, was like, oh, because running out of running out of room to carry shit. Like, all right. Like, I guess. Like, I, I just <laughs> never got it. Like, you're asking. You're asking for it. Yeah. Like, a, a good guy. A face should beat you up, too, for doing that. Maybe like, he was like,
2: asking for it. could shouldn't
0: put out like, on Hillbilly's hat either, you know?
2: Yeah, maybe he was looking for some contact.
0: Yeah. Couldn't happen uh, to a better
2: guy. <laughs> Funk also had a gimmick of carrying a branding iron with him to ringside and use it to brand his former fallen opponents. Uh, and this attack on Phillips led to a feud with Junkyard Dog. In the mid-80s, Funk team with Dory, who was calling himself Haas, and Jimmy Jack Funk. It was a brother storyline. Tito Santana mad- managed him. Um, and then the Terry Funk and Haas Funk.
0: Tito Santana did what? I'm sorry.
2: They were managed by Jimmy, Jimmy Hart. At, at the time. He had a heated rivalry with the Dog. And then the Dog and Tito faced them at WrestleMania Two. There oh, we go. And Terry also had a series of matches against Hulk Hogan, and we're going to talk about one of them tonight. So that's Terry Funk up until around this point. Thoughts, Dave?
0: Yeah, I, I just <laughs> thoughts. I, I came a little late. Like I always say on this podcast in season one, I, I really didn't really get into wrestling on a weekly basis and follow the storyline. So summer of 86 when Orndorff turned on Hogan. But I would see pieces here and there. So I don't know if I was scared of him. I don't know if I got scared of him renting the Coliseum videos once I got into it later in 86, or I just happened to uh, watch this with my grandma and see him from time to time. He was scary. But one of the funnier moments that's not as scary and just funny is on the TNT show. You know, I don't even know if Terry was still there. It might have just been Jimmy Jack and Hoss and Jimmy Hart. But they dumped all that barbecue sauce on Lord Alfred Hayes and they tied him up to a tree. It was brutal. You feel even watching it now in, in hindsight and you know all this is a joke and TNT is a funny show, you feel bad for Alfred a little bit. Yeah. I don't think Terry – I don't. I think Terry may have been already gone. I, I'm not positive, but I think it might have just been Dory Funk Jr. and Jimmy Jack, Jesse Barr. But, yeah, if anybody has, has ever seen that, it's 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 late in the TNT run.
2: We got to do a uh, TNT show this year. Yeah, yeah. how about that, about that, right? One, yet? Uh, one thing I wanted thing to say thing. about Terry when I was a kid, my thought was he was so gross. Yeah. He was dirty. You know what I mean? He was in from a day of playing and not bathing dirty. You know, dirt between his fingernails. He chewed tobacco. It was just gross and yeah, th- dirty. Th-
0: there's this one thing where he's, like, hanging upside down and things they put tattles in to brand him, and he's upside down, and his hair's going, his hair's, you know, flipped back upside down with that voice. He's a scary dude. Like, you'd be scared of Bundy. We were scared of, you know, Andre, the big fat guys. But Funk... Was scared like you weren't scared of Roddy Piper. He, you just hated him, you know. Was a bad guy. I don't know if you could say you're scared of Paul Orndorff, but Funk, you he was scary for for not a, a big oversized heavy. Yeah, game.
2: I agree. And just uh, yeah. so dirty. All right. Well, tonight we are on the campus, as I said earlier, of the University of South Florida in Tampa, the Sun Dome, a famous really venue for the WWF. We'll talk about it in a second. Uh, this place was built, Dave. Uh, starting in 1977, they broke ground and it opened uh, shortly after I did, on November 29th, 1980. Made its debut just, oh. just a couple months after I made mine. There we go. It's been renovated three times in 1993, 2000, and 2011. It was built for $12 million, or around $51 million in 2020 money. Not sure what that means in 2022 Joe Biden money, but significantly more, <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, The architect was Barger and Dean uh, Architects Incorporated. And its tenants have been, of course, the South Florida Bulls men's basketball team uh, and women's basketball team. And, of course, the South Florida Bulls volleyball team, one of Dave's favorite college uh, teams. And was famously known as the WWE Thunderdome uh, in 2021. Oh, I forgot about that. I'm
0: glad you brought that up.
2: Fantastic. Yep. So they broke ground on this place. Uh, in 77 uh, and they they build it over a couple years and it opens in November uh, and the first two events were men's basketball games against Florida A&M and a rock concert by Uh,
0: okay we're in in the early 80s November of 80 80. Hmm. a rocker Mm -hmm. that's very
2: much known for the theatrics Mr. Alice Cooper. Mr. Alice Cooper. All right. One of my favorites. In 2000, the original inflatable roof was replaced with the more conventional hard dome. Uh, oh, it,
0: that, t- that takes away all its personality. Yeah,
2: and additional facilities for the indoor sports programs were added around the main arena at about $8 million bucks of a cost. Uh, and then in 2011, there was another renovation at $35 million. So they really put money into this place over and over again. And then, of course, it got those WWF dollars in 2021 after the long-term residency because of COVID-19. Yeah. And uh, WWF broadcast many shows behind closed doors. They call it the Thunderdome, and that lasted until July of 21.
0: You know, I don't think until you said this right now that I realized it was the same place. I thought maybe it was a new arena, or just I never really thought about it. Because it has so that I'm,
2: different look. i just said that. of the, yeah. Yeah, because of the roof being changed. Well, the
0: Thunderdome anyway, you yeah. can't really tell. But, yeah, that's amazing, going from... This was the place that Andre ripped Tolkien's shirt with the yeah. cross. You know yep. what I mean? That that, that was the, the big deal, the biggest superstars taping ever, which we'll be covering very shortly, probably here in season two, hopefully, or season three.
2: Hulk, but yeah, this You're bleeding, huh? You're bleeding. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but yeah, man, this this arena has a lot of history behind it.
2: Now, there's a specific mention of its tie to wrestling on its uh page here. It says that the WWE has hosted several wrestling events at the Sundome. It hosted Saturday night's main event. For the first time in 1985, which we're talking about um, today, because of course it was recorded in December, didn't air till January. Um, And it hosted the pay-per-view Royal Rumble in 1985, which notably saw Shawn Michaels become the first person to enter at number one and to win the match. Coming in every minute, though. Yep. (laughs) On March 24th, 2001, that's when we said the residency was uh, started because of COVID-19. Um, let's see what else Uh, Thunderdome got relocated to Tropicana Field eventually Um, it also wants to note that UFC has hosted UFC Fight Night Lawson versus Stevens in 2009 also hosted Bellator 72 and 94 in 2012 and 2013 so a lot of wrestling and combat sports history here Um, many many Concerts. I'm sure just about anyone who's played Tampa played the arena. This is where they played. It's a, about a 12,000 seat arena. And not as big as what, what we have in Buffalo or in Newark, Dave. But no, um, so smaller arena, but still a decent size, more like an AHL type arena. Uh, maybe I'm part of what you might have in like um, uh, a lot of history. Yeah, a lot of history uh, for sure. So uh, you know,
0: it, it, you know what I love is that you know. You see on the Superstars taping, you know, when, when Andre with the Piper's Pit, like we just mentioned, the dome, like you never saw anything like that on wrestling. I hadn't on wrestling at that point. And it was kind of like a mini Silver Dome. Then a few months later, WrestleMania 3 happens and it kind of looks like a gigantic Sun Dome to a six-year-old kid. Sure. It's almost like it went hand in hand. The turn happened there in the smaller dome and then boom, the big dome for WrestleMania 3. And you never saw it, anything like that on TV before then. thought that was really cool.
2: Yeah, good point. Really good point. Uh, if you go to concert ve- uh, concert concertarchives.org, uh, you can get the whole history of concerts at this venue, and I promise you it's pages and pages and pages of concerts. They're all there. Yep. All right, uh, that's it. It is now time for a very special part of the 24-inch podcast. It's one of my favorite parts because I can just – turn down my mic and get out a Twizzler and some iced tea and listen to my man Dave tell us where Hulk Hogan was uh, in January of 1986. So take it away, Dave. I I cede the floor to you, my friend.
0: Yeah, I'm jealous of that Twizzler, but uh, let me get started here. Well, the show we're doing tonight obviously is in 1986, January 4th, like Steve said earlier, but it was taped on December 19th, 1985, a few weeks mold, moldy. So what I will do is I'll do the end of 1985 and the beginning of 1986. So let's start off right with our show, December 19th, Tampa Sun Dome, 7800 Saturday Night's Main Event. T- Saturday Night's Main Event TV taping, a 10.4 rating on NBC, replacing Saturday Night Live on this Saturday night. The Hulkster Hulk Hogan takes on Terry Funk. We'll get into that match shortly. And also a lot of skits playing throughout the show is from Adventureland Water Park in Tampa, which is still standing and still operating to my knowledge. Christmas night, December 25th, Landover, Maryland at the Capo Center. Hulk Hogan goes over the Macho Man, Randy Savage. The next night, Richfield, Ohio at the Coliseum in front of 15,000 fans. The Macho Man goes over Hulk Hogan this time via countout. December 28th, Minneapolis, Minnesota at the Met Center. 8,500 people come to see the walking condominium King Kong Bundy defeat Hulk Hogan via countout. December 30th, Madison Square Garden, New York City, a big sellout of 20,255 people. The Macho Man Randy Savage goes over Hulk Hogan via countout. We actually covered the, uh, the rematch, the January 86th show in our archives right here in the 24-inch podcast in season one. So check that out in our archives, please. Okay, now we turn the calendar over. Happy New Year, 1986. I wish we were saying that just a couple weeks ago, but instead we were saying 20, fucking 22. Um, excuse my language. Well, January 1st, New Year's Day at St. Louis at the Kiel Auditorium. Only 5,400 come to see Hulk Hogan defeat Terry Funk. And there's an asterisk here that Jim Crockett Promotions was running the same city on that night. That's why you get the low attendance. However... I looked up the Jim Crockett Promotions attendance and I didn't get an attendance. But what it did say was they had an event January 1st, at also the Kiel Auditorium. So I don't think there was an afternoon NWA and a night WWF. I think that would be talked about a lot more. I don't think we're just discovering that here now. And if we are, we're the best. But I'm sure that they got... Where we get our information from, maybe one of the, uh, probably the WWF was at Keele and NWA was so, uh, another venue. But that's something for us and our listeners to all look into. January 1st, 1986, apparently the WWF and the NWA were at the Keele Auditorium. Enough of that. Uh, January 4th is the night, our Saturday night's main event, airs on NBC. January 5th, eighty-six, Baltimore Arena, a sellout of 13,000. Hulk Hogan defeats brother Bruteye, Brutus Beefcake. Beefcake was a tag team champion at that time. And I will end with this awesome giant of a matchup here. January 11th, a big sellout, Philadelphia Spectrum. 19,710 people watched this handicap match. The team of Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant defeat King Kong Bundy, Big John Studd and Bobby the Brain Keenan. Wow, I'm hot for that. Hot uh, for that. And D'Amato, he agrees with me, we love 1986. Is D'Amato mentioned on the the uh, podcast he did recently with Justin Rosero, how people do, people sleep on 86 because there's no really pay-per-views to document things. You really have to just go through the TV and the, you know, the televised house shows, but we love all the angles and different stuff that went on in 1986. Yeah, that match is something to go back and look on uh, – That aired on Prism, I believe. I I wouldn't see why I wouldn't have. I'd love to take a look at that. That's a cool match, brother.
2: I'm very proud of you, Dave. You did a great job. Thank you for that.
0: Thank you very much. a popular
2: segment here. People love to know what Hulk's up to. I always picture the plane, uh, the WWF on tour and the plane that would come in. I always picture that uh, for that segment. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to read the news. We're going to go over the Saturday Night's Main event, and we are going to go over Hulk's match against Terry Funk. Uh, Let's take a break. We'll be right back. When the going gets tough the
1: tough get going going on tough tough when the going gets tough the tough get going on.
2: 24-inch podcast coming back here, season two. Experimenting a little bit with our technology, trying to improve everything for each other. Also, Dave and I have noticed we're going to have to work on these memories. We're getting to be old. We said earlier we had read the news already from January of 86. The reason we think we did is because the Challenger happened. We remember bringing that up. Uh, but we definitely read the news from December of 85 when we did our Macho Man show. Um, cause I noticed a mistake on the website, which we haven't totally replaced yet. We're trying. Um, but in the end, we decided we're going to read the news from January of 86 today. So a uh, correction, uh, familiar, but Dave, with all that said, it's time to read the news. All right, Dave, January 1st, American singer Barbara Streisand and hairdresser slash film producer John Peters' romantic relationship ends. Nice for them. You know, interesting combination there of hairdresser and film producer.
0: Very much so. I know a girl that Barbara Streisand I don't find attractive at all. I don't think many people do. But I know a girl that looks like her, but somehow she's hot. Figure that one out.
2: From a distance, she looks pretty good.
0: From a distance. Uh,
2: also January 1st, good news for our friends in Aruba uh, as they become independent from neighboring island Caraco.
0: The magnificent Caraco.
2: Yes. That's right around the time he went with um, with uh, superstar Billy Graham right around the same time. He lost Aruba, uh, but he gained superstar. is funny that you
0: mentioned him on, on his podcast today. He said something that I never knew before, that he was originally going to be the brother love character.
2: Crazy, ah, I never we'll heard get, that. Man.
0: Yeah, we'll get when we do a Mor- we'll be doing a Morocco show soon. We'll get into that.
2: Uh, January first, New York City Transit fare raises from ninety cents to
0: oh god, dollar twenty five. Dollar, just
2: a, just a buck, brother, just a, just buck. a buck. All right, me yeah, a buck. Uh, the seventy second Rose Bowl game, number thirteen UCLA uh, beats number four Iowa. Um, was All-American running back, Ronnie Harmon, fumbles the ball four times in his last game. Uh, that sucks. Yeah.
0: He'd last al- game, too.
2: He'd also go on to be known in 1989. So what is that? How many years later? Five years later, he dropped a touchdown pass in the end zone as a member of the Buffalo Bills against the Cleveland Browns in the playoffs. And the picture of him dropping the ball, the ball bouncing off his hands, was on my grandparents' fridge for probably 15 years.
0: <laughs> you know what? Yeah, I, I don't know much about sports. We all know that. But this guy's probably obviously a good player. An All-American.
2: An All-American. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. But he
0: just, in, in the big, when it matters, it seems like when all the eyes are on him, shit gets messed up. It's a shame.
2: Yep. Uh, a few more bowl games on the first. Tennessee beat Miami 35-7. to uh, Michigan beat Nebraska. And in the Orange Bowl... Number three Oklahoma beats number one Penn State twenty five ten, claim the national championship. The star of that Oklahoma team was once a star of an episode of Saturday Night's Main Event as a guest at the ring side area. You remember this player?
0: Yes, yes, the blonde guy. Yes, with the spiked, with the spiked hair.
2: Yes, what's his name? Come on, Dave. Oh, give
0: me. He he did the gotcha gun. Double B's.
2: Too. Double B's. Uh, Baz, Baz. The Baz. Brian Bosworth. Boz Boz. Yes. That's good enough, right? Yeah, yeah. very good. <laughs> January 2nd, Islanders right winger Mike Bossy scores his 499th and 500th career goal in the final 222 to lift Boston, or excuse me, New York to a 7 5 win over Boston. He's the 11th player to score 500 goals, and he may have scored more than anyone other than Gretzky. Had it not been for knee injuries, Bossy is in the top five all-time in goals per game. One of the great, great hockey players ever.
0: Got, the hockey, man, it, the knees. Oh, you, yeah. you must go through on an ice with those skates. I couldn't even imagine that.
2: It's a battle. Every, every hockey player has a knee injury in there. Oh,
0: in I couldn't even imagine. I have knee injuries you know, myself. I played football in high school. But, I mean, just from wear and tear after that, it's high school so long ago. But I couldn't even imagine. Crazy, man.
2: January 4th, NCAA basketball's David Robinson uh, blocks a record 14 shots. he would later go on to win an I've NBA heard, title with who, Dave? Who did David Robinson lead to an NBA title? What? How about the Pistons? How about no. How about a team in Texas? Uh,
0: uh, Mavericks. Dallas
2: uh, Mavericks. No. Why don't you think of Ron Bass and what weapon he used? On Brutus. Oh, to
0: San Antonio Spurs. (laughs) Spurs. (laughs) This is great.
2: All right, January fourth, a a really a great postseason. You want to talk about someone stepping up? How about Rams running back Eric Dickerson scoring twice and rushing for an NFL postseason record two hundred and forty eight yards and a twenty to nothing victory over the Dallas Cowboys. Whoa. Uh, What else do we got here? January 7th, the Netherlands Bank issues 250 Gilder notes, which is big. Uh, Also on January 7th, President Reagan announces economic sanctions against Libya. You will pay Libya. January 8th, San Francisco Giants outfielder Willie McCovey is the 16th elected to the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame in his first year. Of eligibility, one of the all-time greats.
0: I'm sure my dad would be happy about that. Big San Fran Giants fan.
2: First baseman. Did I say outfielder? First baseman. McCovey Cove was in my head because that's in the outfield, but of course he was a first baseman.
0: We saw them play the Phillies in 88 at the Philly uh, Stadium.
2: I guarantee if you said to your dad, Dad, tell me what you think about Willie McCovey. It's one of his favorite guys. I will ask him. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. What else? Oh, after losing a patent battle. With Polaroid, and this is a very 80s story. After losing a patent battle with Polaroid, Kodak must give up its instant camera business. Did you have a Polaroid camera as a kid, Dave?
0: I think so, yeah. These are not the cola wars. These are the film wars.
2: I had the Kodak version.
0: Did you? Um,
2: Kodak is a Rochester company, which is right down the road. Uh, And as a kid, my family had one of their instant cameras. Um, And I never had... I thought that... They're the coolest, right? Instant cameras. Yeah,
0: they're awesome. We used to do. I used to work for an entertainment company with Anthony Pagano for years, actually, in my twenties. And you know, we would do take Polaroids of you know people at parties for them, and you know, they pay or whatever. It was a big deal, even back in the two thousands, huh? Uh,
2: Mike McCready, the guitar player for Pearl Jam, uh, published a book. I don't know how many years ago, maybe five. Let me see. What does it say? It's called "Of Potato Heads." uh what is it called of potato heads and polaroids my life inside and outside of pearl jam and it's a collection of polaroids he's taken over the years he still carries a polaroid camera everywhere and
0: polaroids of mr potato head
2: yes it's just this exclusively pictures of potato head
0: that would be like a cool album cover from the 90s very 90s like a polaroid picture of mr potato head that's the album cover. If it exists, to work.
2: there's a good chance Mike McCready took the picture. There you go. Another legend of sports this month, a lot of legends here, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar of the Lakers scores his 34,000th career point uh, during a win over the Pacers. He's the only player to reach the milestone at that time. He does remain the all-time scorer today at thirty-eight thousand three hundred seven. Also,
0: also an excellent history teacher. Ta- ga- ga- um Gary Coleman very well. Arnold Jackson.
2: One of the best. Yes. Uh, January 12th, the AFC Championship game uh, featured the New England Patriots beating the Miami Dolphins 31-14. Great news, right? Patriots, you're going to the Super Bowl. Later that day at Soldier Field, the 1985 Chicago Bears beat the Los Angeles Rams 24 uh, nothing. So Super
0: Bowl shuffle.
2: Yes, it's on to New Orleans, um, which we'll get to in a minute, But and I'll tell you more about it then. So it's... Bears, Patriots in the, the Super Bowl—the most fame one of the most famous NFL teams of all time. Teams without a doubt. Yep. Yeah,
0: that then it leaked into wrestling as well.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Montreal has a rookie goaltender. He records his first of sixty-six career shutouts in a four-to-nothing win against the Jets. And later that year, he'll lead the Canadiens to a Stanley Cup. What's this rookie goaltender's name, Dave? A mega, mm. mega, mega NHL star.
0: <laughs>
2: a French Canadian goaltender whose name sounds spelled like the name of a nice young American boy, but is actually pronounced nothing like that.
0: Can't think of nothing. You got me, brother.
2: Patrick Waugh. Pronounced Patrick or Patrick Roy is how it's written. No. Patrick. Never uh, heard of him. That's a crime.
0: Uh, uh, but don't, I remember them now, though, if he ever comes up again. Yeah. Patrick, wah, like uh, Terry Silvers in Karate Kid 3. Wah, wah. That's how I remember it. Uh,
2: January 18th, the New York Lotto pays $30.5 to one winner in the uh, pick six game, I guess. Can you give me the six winning numbers, Dave? I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> nineteen. Imagine I got him. Yeah, nineteen, twenty,
0: twenty-seven,
2: thirty-four, forty-one, forty-six. Uh, also, I used to day. love uh, yeah, and an, an, like
0: seven forty-five or seven fifty at night here in New Jersey, New Jersey Channel. My aunt would always put on oh. the, the the Lotto, and the balls would pop up. What was that one lady's place. name?
2: Yolanda Vega.
0: Well, we probably had different. You didn't different have the ones Yolanda Vega. You didn't I can't, rem- I can't remember. I can't remember any names. Oh. But I, I remember the whole setup and everything. It was every oh. night.
2: <clears throat> uh, the age charity record, "That's What Friends Are For," hits number one. Great song. Uh, they raised seventeen million dollars for cerebral palsy in a telethon. Good for them. The
0: telethons were a big thing back then, oh, right? Oh yeah. In the
2: 80s. Oh yeah. The first ever federal holiday honoring Martin Luther King Jr. is on January twentieth.
0: Wow, it didn't start the eighty six, huh? Well, you know what? Because we were just we were in first grade. No, kindergarten.
2: Yeah, we're kindergarten. in kindergarten here. So. Yep.
0: We fit to us, it was, it, felt always like a holiday. it was always there. Always a holiday. So, like, hearing that it just started that year, we didn't know we we're kindergarten. And I
2: think Arizona was the last state to adopt it, and it was much later. Really? Yeah. Arizona. Yeah, I'll look it up in a second, but Arizona adopted it.
0: That's much, like much our later. holiday for our age group. You know what yeah. I mean? Good, great, you know, great always, man. Proud, always, proud to have that.
2: Always glad to have the day off in January for, sure. for the king. Uh, January 21st, Czech tennis star Ivan Lendl defeats Boris Becker uh, at the Garden to win a...
0: Now, you, I never heard of Boris Becker before I, I met you, and, and now I know him.
2: Good. I'm very so proud of I'll, you. So I'll, I'll, I'll You're learning. throw that
0: name in, in ten, tennis questions. I might get it wrong, but I'll throw it out there.
2: Patrick Waugh needs to be in the name. Patrick
0: Waugh. I'm telling t- remember from uh, Mr. Miyagi making fun of uh, Terry Silver in Karate Kid 3.
2: All right. Big day of music here, Dave. January 23rd. The inaugural class of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Give me some names that you think are members of the oh, inaugural class. I, I know class. some of them. All right, let's I hear know it. some of them. Well, Elvis. Know. Elvis is one, yes.
0: Were the Beatles in there?
2: Not, nope, I thought. Nope. Really? Yeah.
0: Well, I should know more. Chuck Berry?
2: Chuck Berry, yep.
0: Oh, God, I'm, I'm going to. Uh,
2: A few more black guys that you know for sure. Um, Little Richard, how about Little Richard? Little Richard, Chuck Berry. Uh,
0: I said Chuck Berry.
2: Oh, you did. How about this? Uh, yeah. guy? How about uh, don't leave this guy on the table? Come on. Ow. Uh, James Brown. James Brown. Uh, how about um, how about a blind guy?
0: Well, it's still early for Stevie Wonder, so I'll go at Ray Charles.
2: Ray Charles, correct. Sam Cooke. Steve-
0: Sam Cooke, I stand by me.
2: Fats Domino.
0: Fats Domino.
2: Everly Brothers.
0: Ooh, great, great group. Buddy Holly. And how about the uh, Four Seasons? I think it was 1990.
2: Yeah, no Four later. Seasons. Jerry Lee Lewis. Little great Richard. Fire. Robert Johnson. Jimmy Rogers. Jimmy Yancey. Alan Freed. John Hammond. And Sam Phillips. The first class of, of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame.
0: Yeah, a couple of those latter ones. So still, no. Motley Crue. Scorpions. Iron Maiden. Judas Priest. We go on and on. Bad that Company. I'm, Bad company. Uh, there's a couple more too, big ones. Not that I'm the biggest Iron Maiden or Judas Priest, but they deserve to be in there. Sure. Uh, there's, there's other ones too that, we, that were just we, we'd
2: have to think about it. metal there's and like classic 20. rock in general. A very, yeah. very disgracefully mistreated genre by the are rock. Pearl and Jamming, hall yet? Fan. They were first ballot Hall of Famers. They were
0: first
2: ballot. Okay. Uh, January twenty fourth, the forty third Golden Globes. Out of Africa, John Voight and Whippy Goldberg are big winners.
0: John Voight's car. I wonder if he drove his car there.
2: Hmm. That's a beautiful car. It really is a fabulous <laughs> machine. Uh, the pencil in the in the front. <laughs> beautiful. Uh, Super Bowl 20, Dave. January 26, Louisiana Superdome. New Orleans, Louisiana. Chicago Bears defeated the New England Patriots 46-10. to 10. The MVP was Richard Dent. It's the first Super Bowl I ever watched. I remember it clear as day where we watched it. My dad's friend Dave Dishner's house. Uh, Dave Dishner had a I Rock Z 28. Cool. And he led to sports gamble. Uh, 85 f- eight Bears and an I Rock. Yep. Can't go wrong. He man. was all in on the Bears that day, making all kinds of money. Refrigerator Perry scored a touchdown. Dave, yeah, I what, that. what Bears player did not score a touchdown? And Coach Mike Dicka says to this day it's one of his greatest regrets as a coach to not make sure this famous Chicago Bear running back got a touchdown that day. Walter Payton. Walter Payton. Good job. Sweetness. The 27th, the 13th American Music Awards, Whitney Houston, and my guy Huey Lewis, big winners that day.
0: All right. I can dig that.
2: Sad, 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 sad day on January 28th. The Space Shuttle Challenger explodes 73 seconds after liftoff from Cape Canaveral with all seven crew members killed, including Krista McAuliffe, who was the first teacher in space. And I watched this with my kindergarten class in the classroom. We were all sitting uh, Indian style, which is what we called it then. I think they call it crisscross applesauce now. But we were sitting with our legs folded um, underneath ourselves. whole class was there watching it. And uh, I just remember the teacher saying it was time to go back to our desks. And she yeah. shut it off and didn't say another word about it.
0: I I wish I had a memory like that. I, I don't. I remember, I remember everybody being upset. And everything like that. I'm not sure if they showed it in my, in my kindergarten or not. What time of day did it happens? I had the morning. Uh, it was kindergarten. We still went half days. Yeah.
2: Yeah, help. I mean, it happened I, probably like around lunchtime, maybe.
0: Lunchtime. It yeah, might have been out by then.
2: Uh, and then uh, January 31st, a, a very, very, very great day for um, Arne Anderson's sister, Mary Lund, of Min- yeah. Minneapolis, becomes the first female recipient of an artificial heart. And receives a donor heart. So oh, good for her. Good for Mary Lund and the whole Lund family, including Arn himself. And that's Indeed. the news for January of 1986. Very enjoyable. All right, Dave. Saturday night's main event, brother. Let's this start. This is a memorable one. This is. And it, we start with the themes. Uh, and the show opens with a bright, bright picture of a water slide. Uh, a giant water slide because the fun in the sun is gonna be the theme kind of for the night you know um there's the Halloween episode you know where they would they played the games the themes what's the other early themes Dave? Mother's day Mother's Day good one yeah.
0: and actually believe it or not it's mother's Day Halloween and this one they stopped them after this yeah season, and didn't start them up again until um when they were like a jungle theme with animals the animal kingdom. And then they did the Oktoberfest, which is really funny. That's all in 1990. So they did those three early on, yep,
2: eighty-five and, then and eighty-six. In the 90s, yep.
0: Then again, in the '90s, people think they were all fiend when it's only they like were. six ep- six episodes.
2: You know, <laughs> uh, I, I want to give a thank you to Justin Rosero and Scott Criscolla from the Place to Be Nation. Sent me some notes uh, from their podcast, so I didn't have to retranscribe them. Legends. Yep, I'm gonna read some of that. So just want to thank those guys. Make sure you check out their show place to be nation wrestling feed um they're out in the year 2007 somewhere without they're just like to me they're like in the middle of the ocean and i don't know where to find them they still do
0: like the first half though they still do 93 where they were like the herb coon stuff and the movies and the pop culture is in 93 but then for the wrestling event they jumped to 2007
2: yeah i mean i know they're out there but i can't find them uh, we get a series of promos to kick things off. Uh, Hogan and Gene are drinking protein shakes. Uh, Piper and Jesse are getting massages by bikini babes while watching the hillbillies float around in the Lazy River, which is a hilarious, <laughs> hilarious spot. Uh, Vince and Jesse opened the show. with Jesse brags about being the first announcer to call a show and wrestle on that show. And then he brings in Bobby Heenan to cover f- for him while he's away. And it's a, a historic moment in wrestling, Dave, right? Because it's Bobby Heenan's debut in the booth.
0: Debut. You know, a lot of people might not know. They might think he maybe he did a garden show in '85 or an All Star Wrestling in '84, '85. Never. He didn't do any any uh, commentary, mic work until right here. And uh, so it's very historic. And this is Jesse's last TV match. Wild. So Too I mean, he may ladies. have had something on Nesson or you know Boston sure. something, but lost, national you know. TV. National TV. This is it for Jesse
2: we got Mean Gene, and he's chatting with Piper, Jesse, and Orton in the aisle. And, of course, they're making fun of the Hillbillies, uh, bringing up their showdown in the last Serenance Main Event, which was the wedding. Uh, the, Gene then gives a turn to the Hillbillies. Jim says they're going to behave like pro athletes, and their family honor is on the line, and they're going to do whatever it takes to win. And that brings us to the first match, uh, and that is, of course, the six-man tag. Of Jesse Ventura, Roddy Piper, and Bob Orton defeating Hillbilly Jim, Uncle Elmer, and Cousin Luke at eight minutes. They gave him eight minutes. The heels win, frustrate the Hillbilly family. Look at, it's special to see Jesse. Uh, there's tons of comedy here. Watching Uncle Elmer and Cousin Luke. It's not my favorite wrestling, uh, but they pull it off here. It's a good eight minutes. They gave it a they gave it time, but maybe not too much time. Uh, but really, it's about all the theatrics and the talking and the comments, you know, the Jesse making, Piper making fun of the kissing from the <laughs> wedding and all that is really what it's about. Two carps. What are your thoughts, Dave?
0: Uh, actually, I, w- I wanted to make mention, this is the debut, well, he debuted on TV earlier this day on Championship Wrestling, but the debut of Cousin Luke, who replaced Cousin Junior in the Hillbillies, and Cousin Luke's a Jersey guy, Gene Lewis, who uh, did the Indies here for many, many years in the 90s and 2000s. And- Passed away maybe five or six years ago, but uh, I thought he brought some he brought some fire into this match. He did a lot. He did most of the ring work for the Hillbillies, and uh, it was better than it, it looks on paper. Yeah, and, you know, you, and yeah, there was a lot of fire from Cousin Luke and you know, Hillbilly Jim, of course, a great character. Elmer never does too much, but um, I love the ending where Piper doesn't just put him asleep with a sleeper hold. He lets him go, and Luke makes a comeback, and then an ace hits uh, Luke with the, the cast. Coming off the ropes and then Piper puts him back in the sleeper hold, and he's not really asleep. He's knocked out from the cast, and, but the referee thinks he fell asleep from the sleeper hold. That's great booking, yeah. In my opinion, that's that, that's something that that's missing, that's lost now. And I, yeah, I, I thought for this could be the best hillbilly match there ever was. I thought that this was really good. A lot of heat, you know, Jesse even moving around the ring a little better than usual, and he's such a he's such a bad guy, such heels here. And this is this is the night of the alternate. Uh, ring attire because obviously we're gonna see Hulk coming up in the blue, and you got Roddy Piper in strange yellow knee pads. Mm-hmm. And also yep. we got to mention the, the ring here in Tampa it's blue yeah, it's, ring.
2: It's, it's a weird, really.
0: Ring. It's, it's 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 low off the ground, and the posts are sticking up. It's just like a lot of these arenas had their own ring, and they instead you know I guess uh, expense save expenses if they had their own ring they would just use it. But going on NBC and you know they're four shows in now. You would think they'd want the regular WWF ring here. I don't know. I don't know what the reason is. We may we may never know. But uh, yeah, the ring just doesn't look right for a, this, you know, this looks like an NWA ring or something. This looks really dingy uh, for a big NBC show, you know, still pulled in a big rating. But it's just one of those things.
2: Yeah, I should have mentioned earlier, this was taped on December 19th, 85. It's airing January 4th, eighty-six. And it aired on NBC and drew a ten point four rating. What they would amazing, not, they'd kill for a ten point four rating. You know,
0: it, I was listening to. I know you're listening to some of it. The Conrad, uh, you know, the, um, something to wrestle podcast. Bruce Pritchard, They did the, all their Hulk shows. They put it in a big, long five hour package recently to listen to. And Conrad just couldn't understand why Saturday night's main event got five would always get five five or six points lower than the fifteen point six. The main event got. Oh, Hulk I know and he's and- an idiot. It's in prime time. I know. Oh, 15. my God. 6. It's so frustrating. And it's, what What is what is not to understand about that? I mean, this is it. I would assume an educated person. He's educated on other things. Is he just busting Bruce's balls? I have no idea. But this, what the, how hard is that to understand? I mean, even if you really? weren't watching at the time. Yeah, that's it's, it's tough.
2: It's tough, brother. We go back to the water park. We're setting up for a water slide competition between JYD and Jimmy Hart. Uh, Jim says that Hart wants revenge for the branding on Saturday night's main event. JYD had stolen uh, the Funkers branding iron and lit up Jimmy's butt, and he wants revenge. And (laughs) The only way he can figure it out, and that's a water slide race, I guess. Uh, But JYD wins, and Jesse (laughs) says it was an unfair start, Uh, so we got some shenanigans maybe. Uh, But Jesse talks to Terry Funk, who says after he beats Hulk Hogan, all the national press will take his picture, so he wants to be sure. To get a great tan for the SI cover. This is right around the time that Hulk was on.
0: Right around the time. The
2: cover of Sports Illustrated, which eventually wrote an article about me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But um
0: you, you may be on the cover of twenty twenty two coming up.
2: Yeah. Unlikely, but they did write about me. So well if take, they do, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna take make the sure w.
0: I'm gonna make sure I cut a promo in Seaside Heights at Waterworks <laughs> out by the slide
2: yep. about uh-huh.
0: how it should be Hollywood Dave Rollins on the cover <laughs> yeah. of Sports Illustrated, brother. But uh, anyway, have you ever gotten down one of those big slides? Yeah, I love it. Love it. Good and fun. you would always, well, like I said, Waterward, Waterworks in Seaside, New Jersey still there. I don't think they have the big slide like this anymore. You said you never but, went
2: to the one the documentary is made about where they they got injured. No, that's
0: Action Park. No, i never been Action Park, there. yeah. Because my parents owned a house. They still own it in you know, Jersey Shore. So it's always like, you know, we're going there in the summer. Why go there? But anyway, we used to, at these, these slides... We start getting a little older, thirteen, you know, twelve, thirteen years old. You'd wait for the girls to come down at the bottom because you always got a boobie pop out. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I, I would get a big wedgie. It'd be embarrassing. Like my shorts would come up, my you know, butts would be hanging out like uh, Rikishi or something. Oh, uh, dude, you we know, had the uh, wave
2: pool at Darien Lake, the, the uh, amusement park here. There's a wave pool in the water park, and me and my friend would just go to the wave pool to see boobs. Yeah, I mean it was nonstop. Like every time non-stop. a wave would come, someone's shirt. Came down,
0: nonstop, so, uh, yep.
2: unbelievable. As a fourteen-year-old, nothing better than that.
0: Nothing better. I mean, th- 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 things would just stick in your mind. Would, even in the lazy river, you get like, I don't even want to get into get into some of this stuff here on the podcast. We might get canceled. But uh, as a fourteen-year-old, too, that's normal. It's normal. As a fourteen-year-old,
2: boobs of all ages are great. Yeah, you know, you're normal. fourteen. You see a fourteen-year-old boob, you're good. You see a sixty-year-old boob, you're good. You just yeah, want to it's see all good. Yeah, so yeah, it was a great it's time it's as a fourteen-year-old.
0: Water park was the place.
2: All right, next up is Hulk. We're going to skip all that stuff. We're going to save Hulk for the end. So fast forward ahead, and Gene catches up with George Steele and Lou Albano at the water park. Uh, Steele is playing with a rubber ducky in the waiting pool, and Gene asks if Steele will have any rust or be at 100%. Albano says he's going to be ready. Uh, Jesse's talking to Savage and Liz, and Liz frets. Savage says he's the macho man while Steele is the animal. Speaking of boobs. Ooh la la. Jesse reveals Liz can't swim and Savage then throws her off a platform into a giant pool as she freaks out in the water. And this is the kind of thing that Peter Rosenberg, you know, oh, complained about on that documentary that A&E did that was a hit piece. You know, like, for some reason, people can't understand that that wasn't Randy and Liz. That was Macho Man. It's a skit. Yeah. But- it's
0: a skit. Everything on wrestling... Is a skit.
2: It was that, and in my opinion, even
0: the Montreal screw job. That's just my opinion. It's part of the the show. Enough for it when because it, if it's Hulk Hogan or somebody they don't like, it's real. If it's CM Punk doing it, then it's okay. Then it, then it's part of the show. Or Daniel so now, Bryan.
2: Just to switch gears, is this the first? This is the first. I want to say Jesse and George, or George and Macho Man match, right? Of many,
0: it is the very first. The very. Many. First TV one. I don't TV, even think yeah. there was. I don't even think there was a house show one. I think this is their first meeting entirely.
2: But it's Randy Savage with Elizabeth defeating George Steele with Captain Lou. I don't think yeah. we we'll see Captain Lou with George in one of these matches again. Um, four, yeah. No. Four oh six. Uh, Randy makes kind of quick work of them, and it kind of is interesting because it feels a little bit like the end, uh, but it's far from it. I mean, these guys. We we'll have so many matches, but it really did feel. Well, it's like, because he,
0: he fell in love with Elizabeth. Yeah,
2: he falls in it's love just, with Elizabeth here, and it's, yeah, it's. Away we go. Such
0: beautiful booking. The animal, Beauty and the Beast. It's so simple, but so good. And everybody was into this feud. People that look back at wrestling now, they said, about George Steele, George, the guy was over like a million bucks. He can't wrestle a lick. He can't wrestle, but he could work. It's two different things." There. He could draw money. People, they mention him in Seinfeld. That means something. You know, they're, they're not mentioning, uh, you know, you say, Bret Hart, love him. They're not mentioning him in Seinfeld. They're mentioning George the Animal Steel. There's something there. You know what I mean? That these fans today just want Brett to ignore. That was on The
2: Simpsons, though.
0: Or the Simpsons, whatever. Ah. But, uh, yeah. Um, Point taken. Oh, Brett! Brett, you're saying Brett was on a You sure? Yeah. So I, didn't yeah. mean, I love Brett Hart. I'm no, I get your bigger,
2: point. Yeah, he's a, I'm a much bigger Bret Hart he, fan. He transcends. Steele, but, he transcends yeah. the match. Yeah. He transcends yeah. wrestling. He he's bigger than just George Steele, the wrestler. Yeah. And
0: but if people, adults, were
2: into this. Yeah. Oh,
0: the animal and Elizabeth. It, it, was, it, was, it yep. was it was huge. It was huge. One of the biggest huge WWF history, George Steele and Macho Man.
2: And we'll be talking about it on and off on this podcast forever, pretty much. Yeah, uh, you can't get away from it. Next up, one of Paula's favorite things. A special 1985 year-in-review music video. She loves wrestling and music videos. Anytime those are together, she loves them, and she popped for this. Mostly just highlights from 85, lots of WrestleMania yeah. 1 stuff in there.
0: And build the great Billy Ocean, when the going gets tough. When the going gets I love, tough. I love how they they put the movements of the wrestlers with the music. Every time Billy Ocean goes, whoa, you see like Vince McMahon singing. Or you see Macho Man some, doing something, and when you say "I gotta get it through to you," you see Orndorff pounding on the on the dressing room door, trying to get in. The whole the whole song, I mean, the whole video goes with the words to the song. If you look back Amazing. at it, really, really cool. Love the song. This is one of the songs I always connect with wrestling because they played it not only here. You know, they were played on the championship wrestlings and all stars. You know, when they were going to break and stuff. This and Owner of a Lonely Heart. Constant. Anytime I hear it, you know, I think it's oh, this is a wrestling song. And this they, is they why you got to so watch, much.
2: if you can, the originals because, like, this is obviously exactly. cut out. Yeah, no, on the yeah, it's destroyed.
0: They, they might as well just cut the whole the whole segment out. Yep, because it just it just it completely ruins it.
2: Uh, in Gene, my opinion, Gene talks to Nikolai about the big peace match tonight. Nikolai says it's the first step to end american superiorism due to better wrestling. Iron Sheik shows up and spits on America and Blassie says tonight proves America is a paper tiger and that Sheik is just here to support his friend. It's nice to get classy Freddie Blasi on Sarah's main event. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jesse talks to Kirchner at the water park. He talks about being able to parachute anywhere thanks to his training. Uh, Jesse says combat taxes won't be allowed in this peach, peace match, just wrestling. Kir- Kirchner shows the proper technique to drop into the water by hand gliding into it. And a special rest in peace to Corporal Kirchner who just recently passed away.
0: Recently departed. It hit me a little hard, it was harder than I thought it was. the uh, you know, corporal, young guy seemed, you know, seemed healthy. You know what I mean? You wouldn't think of him going. There was a rumor he died years ago. I remember 2006, that. Yeah. yeah. And then when 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 that wasn't true, you felt like he was going to live forever. Wasn't a giant fan of the guy, but you know, he's he's a big part of our era, the LJN's, the Bendies and all. And uh yeah, and he seemed like, you know, I always thought he could have came back. Like, cause he was like green here. Not, not talking about his outfit, you know. Yeah, <laughs> green in the ring, and I thought he would have been a good a part of Sergeant Slaughter's crew as a bad guys, the Iraqi sympathizers. They always got like the uh, military type guys. They got Sheikh back, you know. They had Adnan Al Casey come in. I thought Corporal Kirshner could have come in with that raspy voice. I used to be Corporal Kirshner and and been good th- there. But uh, yeah, this is a cool segment. I remember always liking it as a kid there. And uh, burning heart playing by uh, the great Survivor from Rocky IV.
2: Nikolai belts the out the national anthem as always. Good heat there. Kirschner's entrance cuts off the singing, and they're off. Uh, Volkov defeats Kirschner four thirty-two. Um, the first couple matches on this card were about eight minutes. The last few are about four minutes. It's how they split up the time. Uh, but in the end, the, the heel goes over. Unlike at WrestleMania, uh, where they're going to flip it. So yeah, to, and this was
0: a a peace match for Gorbachev and um, Reagan.
2: Yes, that just went down. Surprise,
0: yes. it wasn't in a. I was probably in the news of uh, December.
2: Ja- yeah, exactly.
0: December and November.
2: Yeah. All right, we see clips of uh, Morocco surfing at the water park. Any, wait, anything else on that match? Or are you good?
0: Uh just you know the the summit of uh, Gor- Gorbachev and Reagan. I don't see how when I was re-watching it, I I didn't see how Nikolai really cheated. He clotheslined lined him on the rope. I guess it was supposed to be like a catch-as-catch-can type match, like, you know, because shaking hands and everything because of the peace thing. But Nikolai got a little dirty and got the win. Of course.
2: <laughs> Gene talks to Morocco and Fuji and says they have a history of using illegal moves in their matches. Morocco laughs it off and says maybe if he was a mailman, he'd be afraid of a dog. And Fuji talks about how they cook dogs in his country.
0: You ain't kidding. And feed them to people. Gene not, chats. I'm not saying about his country. I'm talking about him right. personally
2: wait. What, what do you see what he does with Sika a few weeks? Uh, Gene chats with Steamboat and JYD. Steamboat says that everything possible has been done to him across the country, but Morocco still hasn't beaten him in the ring. Says JYD's the best man he could have in his corner tonight. JYD says they're setting bad trends for the kids, and he's going to help Ricky do something about it. Morocco and Fuji versus JYD, and Steamboat is next. Um, and we get five minutes and 19 seconds of a tag match. Which is won by the faces. Junkyard Dog and Steamboat uh, win in the end. And everyone gets to, TV audience gets to go um, happy. Uh, JYD gets to pin here, not Steamboat. uh, Which maybe is a little uh, surprising. But Steamboat Morocco is still protected. Fun way to end the show, I thought. Red Hot Face Team. Some really good stuff there. What are your thoughts, Dave? Yeah,
0: both both of these guys were over the moon with popularity at time. Steamboat and Dog. Yep. Steamboat's in the attire as LJN was supposed to come in with the red and the black. Way better. Yeah, the way it shows on the back of the card. And uh, Dog is like pulling like, the SummerSlam 90 big boss man role. You know, he comes out with Hogan. We're about to talk about that and has this big tag match here. So JYD is all over this this show and he was at the peak of his popularity in late nineteen eighty five. That Christmas again I wasn't collecting the figures yet, but I've I've heard about it in hindsight. That that figure in uh JYD figure in Christmas eighty five was the hardest everybody you know, everybody had Hulk already, so he was like the next popular guy, like nobody could find it. Him and Piper at Christmas eighty five and this is coming right off that. So he's featured uh very heavily here in this match.
2: Yeah, super over.
0: Yeah, this, this is just enhancing the Morocco uh, Steamboat She's going on in the house shows.
2: And if you're going to want to see Steamboat beat Morocco, you're going to have to go to the house shows to do it because, like we said, mm-hmm. JYD gets to in here. All right, we're going to go back now uh, to the Hulk match. Gorilla Monsoon narrates through some clips of a match between Hulk and Funk in Denver that ended when Funk bashed Hogan with the branding iron, giving Funk a count out, and then Funk had Brandon Hogan after the match. You good, know, in, in, good my, to see in, event.
0: in my research, unless I missed something, even before I didn't do this recently, I've done this before we've done the podcast, maybe six, seven, eight, nine, ten, even 10 years ago, I looked up that match, the Denver match, and what I could, I didn't relook look it up now, but what I would like to find back then was a match in Denver from November that Hulk won and Mr. T was in Hulk's corner. So I don't know if there was a rematch and, and this was the one or the match got restarted. Or they're just talking shit, yeah. Yeah, or I just messed up 10 years ago. I got, I got to research that.
2: Uh, Gene talks to Hogan in the aisle and Hogan talks about the events in Denver and says he has a special surprise tonight as JYD will be in his corner to ensure no nonsense this time around. And JYD will let Hogan do his thing and just keep an eye on Jimmy Hart. Uh, Hogan Funk Funk is in the ring as Hogan marches out in his parter blue tights accompanied by JYD. Vince says this is Hogan's biggest match since Mania, and JYD grabs Hart and sits him in a chair as we get underway. Hogan wins a tie up and levels Funk with a clothesline in the corner, knocking him to the floor. Funk returns and lands a couple chops, but Hulk ducks. A charge and clones lines him over the top to the floor. Crowd's going wild here. Uh, Hart tries to come over to help, but JYD chases him back to his seat and Jesse bitches about it. Uh, Funk comes back in and drops down on a crisscross, but Hogan keeps running and stepping on him before eventually kicking him outside into love the that. timekeeper's table. Yeah, great spot there where he tumbled over a bunch of chairs. Funk regroups and gives it another go, this time driving Hogan into the corner and punching away, but Hogan turns the tables and unloads taking Funk over with a back suplex for two. Funk finally finds Daylight with a low blow mule kick and starts to work over the champ with the boots. Funk heads up top, but Hulk shakes the ropes, and he falls and crotches himself. Hogan drills him with an atomic drop and a headbutt before smashing him with a clothesline and an elbow drop. Hogan grabs a side headlock when Funk shoots him into the ropes. Hart hooks his foot. Hogan comes out after him, leaning to JYD, chasing Hart under the ring, and they have a great camera angle of them, like, looking under the ring at him, uh, which I thought was well well done.
0: Yeah, they never did that with Doink or anything later. Yeah,
2: it was really cool. You could
0: see him under there, yeah.
2: With the referee tied up, Funk was able to choke Hogan out with his wrist tape. Uh, Funk followed with a pile driver for a close fall, leading to Jesse bitching about a slow count. Funk punches away, and the crowd and JYD work to rally Hogan, who then hulks up and clubs Funk with right hands and a back elbow. Hogan fouled with a big boot that knocked Funk to the floor. Hart hopped on the apron with the branding iron and cracked Hogan and the ribs with it during a suplex, allowing Funk to fall on top for a close near fall, but Hogan gets his foot on the ropes. Really well done. Swerve there, especially for the, yeah, it was good. the audience, I think, really bought into it. Uh, if you couldn't see his foot, you know. Uh, JYD comes over and levels Hart as Hulk recovers and cracks Funk with a running clothesline for the win. Now this is Justin Rosero from Place to Be Nation. This is his opinion, so we might as well get it. Really good TV title match with some nice drama and lots of brawling. Having JYD outside added some excitement. Both guys kept chugging and never slowed up, and near fall on the branding iron shot was well executed and a good tease. Fun match and a nice showing for Funk, and he gave it three stars. Uh, Gene talks to Hogan in the ring who says he hasn't had enough and wants more of Funk. JYD joins in, and Jim compliments him on his work here tonight. So that was the uh, the Hogan match. Thoughts, Dave?
0: Okay, so I just want to make mention right off the bat that this is the TV debut and possibly the, the debut entirely of Hulk coming out to Real American, the iconic Amazing. Real American. Now, this was Hulk came out to it December 30th at the Garden against Macho Man, but uh, this was actually taped before then. This was December 19th. Right. Was it here in the back that they said, hey, we just got a, a memo from the band Survivor that you can no longer use I of the Tiger? What do you want to do? We'll take Rotendo and Wyndham's song. They have just left the company. I don't know. I would love to know. Or did he come out to this 10 nights before at some other house show that wasn't televised? I don't know. We'll never know. But for now, we, I'd like to think that somewhere back there in the Sundome, they came up with the idea for Hulk to come out to Real America. This is before the Real American video Actually, a lot of shots from this match are in the Real, Real American video yep. when, when Terry Funk uh, back kicks him in the balls. That's what Hulk, when it comes crashing down, it hurts inside. They show Hulk falling down to that right there. So this match is iconic in so many ways for that. You know, the blue ring. I think the match is great. I think I, with this probably happened in a lot of Saturday night's main event matches, but I can really tell in this one that it was edited a lot. I think there's like four or five more minutes to this match. Because you can tell, by the way, Hulk was sweating and stuff like that. It was just... I don't know. It just feels like there was part of the match was edited out, which probably happened a lot in Saturday Night's main event. Um, but yeah, great match and uh, credible opponent here. I mean, yeah, you yeah, know, Funk even back, was great.
2: He really was. Yeah, yeah. even
0: back in '85, like a, a few shows before this, I can't see how anybody would think Nikolai was going to win. N- love Nikolai, but Nikolai was going to win the belt for hope from Hogan or even even Bob Wharton. But this one, you know what I mean? He, uh, Funk was he was scary and he had all the past credentials. Former champion. He's on the level of a Harley Race, you know, and when Harley, Ray, Harley Race comes in uh, a few months after this. And, uh, yeah, and it's a really good match. Fast-paced, like Justin said. I love the uniqueness of it. Hogan, you know, wearing the blue on TV. And the, uh, even though the ring is dingy, it's still cool. It makes it unique. The blue ring, the arena looks different. It's, uh, yeah, it was a great match. And Hogan winning with the clothesline, you know, uh, it, it, that's a quick move. Boom, one, two, three, Funk pops right back up. To fight another day. If Hulk flattens him with the leg drop, it's kind of like it's over, decisive boom. So this is almost like one step up from a DQ win. The quick clothesline, one, two, three. Oh, you just caught me. So well, I'm going to go three stars. This this was a great match. I wish they. I think they should have had a rematch on Saturday Night's main event. I think it should have kept going. What they ended up doing, you know, the, like we said, they had the Denver match, like Gorilla Monsoon said, and um, they had a few more matches. They had a Philly match that was aired on Prism. And uh, But after this, uh, the feud tur- turned into tag teams. Hogan and JYD against Terry and Dory. You know, Dory comes in on TV right after this as Hoss. So it turns into those matches. Sometimes Hulk and Dog had, um, uh, what's his name? The, uh, how am I, how, why am I drawing a blank here? Help me out. Little Beaver's friend. Haiti the Haiti kid. The black midget. The Haiti kid. They'd have the Haiti kid with them. And uh, the funks would have Jimmy Hart wrestling you know, on their side. So that was kind of cool, but really not too many more one-on-one Hulk uh, Funk matches. I think it would have been cool to have a rematch, maybe even a cage or a Texas death match. I thought they worked very well together. They were friends. Terry Funk ended up being on Thunder and Paradise years later. I'm sure they're still uh, friends to this day.
2: Well, and um, let me throw this out. Let's say three weeks from the airing of this, two weeks from the airing, whatever it happens to be, there's a Royal Rumble to be. Oh, wow. Purchased on pay-per-view that night. And it's going to have a Hulk championship match. Hulk's not going to be in the rumble. Just for the sake of this exercise, let's say it's that way. Um, there's going to be a rumble and there's going to be a Hulk title match. Is Funk the guy you want to see in that spot? Or is it someone else here? It's January of 86.
0: Well, right now, all in all the fun-
2: future. We're not going to get the buddy issue. I'm all
0: funked up because of this. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I'm all funked up. But uh, so yeah, I'll say Funk. But Macho Man's right, right there in the, uh you know, has to be in the conversation too because he's doing a lot of, a lot of house show work with him. But yeah, coming off this, if if they're gonna have a pay per view, if you do, if you don't have Hulk at the quick pin, if you do some kind of schmas here and come back in the cage at the pay per view, can't go wrong. I was
2: did I grade gonna, it. i, I I'm, you I'm gave go three. three. Just, I, I think three's probably right, but I wanted to go higher than Justin. It hurt my pride. If – so I went 3.25. Yeah, but I, I see Justin's grade ahead of time. I'm like, I can't let it be the same as Justin. I, now, he's grading it differently again. He's grading it versus all matches. Yeah, so we're kind of comparing us. it to Hulk matches. So that's just saying he really liked it, maybe a little bit more than we did. Um, and I couldn't let that happen. So I, I gave a little bit of a little more. curve and did 3.25, but whatever. If, I, you know.
0: if I'm right about it being edited, it would probably be bumped up if you saw the whole match. Right. Definitely three and a half, four even maybe if the whole thing's there. My, own, basically what I'm trying to say is my only problem with it was quick. It's a little quick, even for a yeah, Saturday. I mean, night, it's eight made event match.
2: It's eight minutes. Is it eight
0: minutes? If it, for some reason, it felt quicker to me. Yeah. Some of his matches that are eight minutes seem longer. Maybe because it was so good,
2: it seemed yeah. quicker. And like went by quick, like Justin said, even in the description, is they didn't really stop. There wasn't a no last hold or anything. You know, they yeah. Went. Thumb, the thumbs pace way up. Yeah, pace pace was good. All right, this is a great way to start the year. Great way to start the show. Uh, but no 24-inch podcast is uh, is complete without the beautiful Paula Bennett. So let's take a break, and we will return to the sweet little voice of Paula Bennett and emails and plugs and discussions about the second episode of Season 2. So let's take a break, Dave. You ready? Can't wait. We'll be right back.
1: I am a real American. Fight for the rights of That's right. Fight, fight.
2: Welcome back to the 24-inch podcast. That was our little tribute to Terry Funk as we played you two segments from episode 26 of the show, the season 2 premiere. But don't forget you can find that episode and all episodes of the 24-inch podcast on the Sportscasters feed on SoundCloud. It's soundcloud.com slash sports dash casters. You can also find us on Twitter at 24inchpodcast. We're on Instagram at 24 underscore inch underscore podcast.
1: Underscore podcast.
2: Email us at 24 podcast at gmail.com and join us on Facebook. Just search 24 inch podcast and request to join the group. Don't forget every Tuesday, a new episode of 3x5 with Steve Bennett uh, airs on the Sometimes North South Connection. Paula
0: Bennett. So those yeah. are very good.
2: I enjoy them very much. Awesome. You, see my, you see my
0: thumbs up every time, right?
2: Yeah. Uh, the, the latest episode has a, a what if. The top five things that would have happened if Ricky Steamboat didn't go on paternity leave after WrestleMania three. Right. Um you can You
0: know you know, he says uh, I was meaning to tell you, he says in an interview that I saw recently that he told Vince this before he was gonna win their Continental title that he only needed two weeks off. And Vince approved it. But then when the time came, Vince is like, No, nah, I can't take the belt off the road for two weeks. So yeah, take it that's all he said she said
2: between those two. Either yeah, way, right, he, right. he he, he, he left. Yep. Yeah. paternity leave at his peak. A big mistake on his part, at least in terms of career. Maybe maybe in the end, though, it's what was best for him and his family, and he would do it all over again. But I'm not looking at that. I'm just looking at it from a strictly wrestling uh, yeah. perspective. All right. Oh,
0: it, was done, it was done very well, So
2: We have some emails um, we're going to go over. We'll announce what we're going to do at the end of the show. Oh, I want to mention a couple of videos, too. Um, if you're on the North-South Connection YouTube page, if you search North-South Connection on YouTube, you'll find Cronoso. Uh the mega powers versus the mega bucks. Uh Dave, myself, John D'Amato and Ryan Gray, we did a about a thirty five minute video. Turned out really good, I thought. Sort of a round table on the SummerSlam eighty eight main event. So you can check that out uh there as well. Wanted to mention and that. And hang
0: hang in there. I know there's a little bit of internet problems. You can hear everything fine, but me and Ryan are kinda like stuck.
2: Right. Like, the video. Like, Just let, at the beginning yeah. though. It catches up though. Just the beginning. It yeah. catches up, yeah. All right, uh, let's see. Let's start with emails. I got one for us. Get us going. Uh, this is from JB. Uh, on the email, he emailed us 24 4inchpodcast at gmail.com. He says, hey, Dave and Steve and Paula, here's a question yes. for an upcoming show. If you had to select a different finishing move for the Hulkster, something other than the big leg drop or the axe bomber lariat in Japan, what finishing move would you choose and why? Thanks always for the great episodes. All right, JB, I read this, so I had a chance to think about it. And, uh, you know, I thought a good uh, finishing move uh, for Hulk might have been similar to what Davey Boy Smith did. Do the uh, the running power slam. Now, that would be problematic with some of his bigger opponents. And they always had him against these big giants. So then I thought, well, that, that really wouldn't work. You need something you can do to everybody. You know, and I think that's what made the leg drop uh, work so well. Um, so what's something he could do for, to everybody? Um, well, he can slam him, do the body slam, uh, like he did. Uh, and then maybe, you know, add a second element, like, you know, the body slam and the leg drop. So we got the body slam. Let's keep that. Now it's a second element we could put in, um, that would be different than the leg drop. And I thought, ah, oh, maybe it would be cool if he runs rope to rope and then does like a, uh, a high cross body on top of the guy, you know, just like a, ch. Tsh- jump on top i don't know leg drop was pretty damn good <laughs> tough to be yeah. yeah tough to be but something else keep the body slam and then do something besides the leg drop and you know what in retrospect it might have been better for his body because um, i know dropping the leg all those times mess with his hips and his back and things like that so maybe something just a little bit safer you know what right. do you think paula you, you had your hand up you got something yep what
1: i thought he could do he could try to be like Macho Man and do the elbow drop, Whoa. but I thought that would be a little bit too hard for him. Okay. So then I asked somebody on Roblox that I'm friends with. Yeah. Has like a little shirt that says WrestleMania. Okay. You can get one of those shirts when you get a new player, and they said this. Okay. Maybe you should use, um, do the. Do the. I couldn't. I told him that we couldn't do this stuff, and I. Yeah. He said.
2: The Stone Cold um, Stunner?
1: No, I didn't Oh, I said he could do The, um, the Root
2: Awakening. The Root Awakening. Okay, steal The Root Awakening from Rick Rude and do that. That's what Paul's front-end Roblox says. What do you say, Dave? Well, Hulk always
0: said himself, this is not my answer, but he always says himself he would save himself all those back injuries if he just did the sleeper hold and show it off to Pythons while mm. he's doing the sleeper. Mm. But I don't like, I'm not a big submission guy. That's not or putting a sleep guy. So the leg drop is just a perfect finisher for Hulk. It's just still, he runs, bounces off the ropes. So I'm just gonna just flip it, just from the leg drop to it, the same thing, but a knee, a big knee drop.
2: Yeah, uh, I, I was just thinking that, just drop the yeah. knee instead of the leg.
0: That's it. Yeah, Hi, jump jump up high, same thing, you know. But uh, just reverse it to uh, to a big uh, big knee, All
2: like right. Killer
0: Con, Killer Khan did it from the second rope, like I move like that, but. You know, not from the second world, the run, running big knee.
2: JB, hit us back and let me know what you would do.
0: All right. You got one, Dave? I do, yes. Let me pull that up there. I'm sorry about that. For no, that's all right right. I'll,
2: I'll get Lucas while you pull that up.
0: I got it. I, I all right. Go it.
2: ahead. All right.
0: Kevin from Nutley, the great Kevin from Nutley. has been a big help to me lately and some personal issues. Uh, Guys, when Terry Funk had his run in the WWF in the late 90s, why did they change his name to Chainsaw Charlie? I learned about his work later in his career, but Terry Funk was a well-established name by then. Why the need to change it? uh, Yeah, that's it. Uh, I'll go first. Um, I was still very much into WCW at the time. I know about Chainsaw Charlie. Was it one of those deals where you're supposed to know it's Terry Funk, like Mr. America and the Machines? I'm not sure. Exactly.
2: It was? Yeah.
0: Okay. Cause it, was he ever was it ever revealed? Was he ever did they ever take it off his head? I don't. I, don't, know. I wasn't. At. I don't think so. I mean, I love Mc, the McMahon and Austin feud, but I'm not an Attitude Era guy, so I really I don't want to be ignorant here. I I don't know. He so, he I, he yeah. ex,
2: he explains it in his biography. Yeah, the autobiography of Funk confirmed that Bruce Prichard informed him of the box idea, and he wanted to add it. Funk came up with the chainsaw Charlie name and suggested the outfit he wore. The WWF went for it, but Funk did express regret over the name he came up with on the spot. The second-guessing saw Funk claiming he wished to use the name Chainsaw Terry instead to tie together both characters. Brother, brother! So there you go. They just kind of came up with it as an idea. Kind of wink, wink, wink. It's not Terry (laughs) Funk. It's this guy, you know? Okay. Okay. All right, thank you. Uh,
0: I have a I have a question from Tim, uh, but it's SummerSlam related. So Tim, we're gonna save you for uh, the next show, brother.
2: Okay, that'll work, Tim. Okay, just keep walking around LA and uh, find famous houses. Doing the thing. All right, Lucas Calhoun. He says, "With this, sh- where is the strangest place both of you ever watched a pay per view? For me, it was Ring of Honor Final Battle 2015 in a hotel in Dover, Delaware." where I had been snowed in after helping an acquaintance move and absolutely nothing else to do. So I ordered it while I ate some Little Caesars. Anyway, keep up the good work, and Hulkamania will never die. True. I got a, uh,
0: I got an easy answer to this. Can I go first? Yep. Uh, it was Ro- WCW Road Wild 99. We're at a big, huge keg party with an in-ground pool at my friend James McGovern's house. He used to have a lot of those, and he had the cheater box, scanner box, whatever you want to call it, and it was WCW 99. This is when people weren't watching it as much. But Hulk Hogan had just turned good. So people at the party were getting drunk and Hulk came out in his yellow tights. He wasn't Hollywood anymore. they fight Kevin Nash and they're telling me, this is old. This is not new. He's wearing yellow and red. This is old wrestling. I go, no, 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 no. He just turned good a few weeks ago. No, no. And they just wouldn't listen to me. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Let me watch the main event here.
2: <laughs> you know. And uh, so yeah, tell Hollywood about Hollywood. Yeah, right. Yeah,
0: yeah right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was at a big kegger in ground pool party. WCW Road Wild '99. Hulk Hogan against Kevin Nash and Macho Man against Dennis Rodman. Where where Macho Man put Dennis Rodman in a porto potty, a real porto potty, and knocked it over. <laughs>
2: My buddy Eric twice invited me to watch pay per views and oversold and under delivered the venue. So the first time was WrestleMania '14. And he said oh my buddy from Buff State College he's a big fan and he's getting at his place and it's going to be a good party and they got this big TV and blah 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 blah. And then we got there and it was like a maybe a 24 inch TV at the biggest and they're having pay-per-view issues and we missed the first three matches while they fought with the pay-per-view provider to get it like turned on correctly. Um, so that was one and then the second time was actually SummerSlam 05 Um. When he said that we were going to go to a barbecue and watch it and it was going to be outside seating and they were going to put a projection TV up and all this stuff. We get there to find out that they had grills available for you to barbecue if you wanted. So like if you brought meat, there was grills there for you to cook them. There wasn't any actual barbecue and the TV was um, not projection. It was a box TV, you know, again. 27 inches you know whatever it was like uh, one of those 300 pound flat screen tvs that like people bought for 200 bucks in walmart in the early 2000s i had one in my my college apartment you know they're real top heavy there i remember them they're like flat screen but they weren't hd or anything and they were real heavy and all the weight was in the front
0: i remember carrying them for yeah
2: yeah big box it was one of those and it was you know, it wasn't small, but it wasn't no projection TV or anything. And Hey, I'm looking forward to covering that because that was a good card. Yeah, we're going to do that next time. Yeah. Uh, even though we didn't prepare it today because we wanted to do this thing for Terry Funk. We had also already both watched it, and I had prepared notes, so we we'll are just save them. And on the next episode, we'll cover that as well. Paula, do you have an email before we go, or are you good? All right. Well, why don't you take a break from your game there? Paula's been distracted tonight. Cause she's playing Roblox, whatever the hell it that is. It takes
1: hard to um get a family. Yeah. So I don't really want to lose one, and I already have one. But the child grew up soon. Now she's a
2: teenager. of course. All right. What's your email?
1: My email is.
2: Make sure you're talking into Ryan. the mic. Ryan. Ryan. Okay. Ryan, some jabroni from school. What does Ryan want?
1: He said, if it though if. If if the if the Mighty Ducks
2: The Mighty Ducks, okay.
1: Taught all the wrestlers how to skate, what would their uniforms look like? They're like their teacher in their pants would look like.
2: Okay, so if the Mighty Ducks created a hockey team out of wrestlers, Dave, what wrestlers might be on this hockey team and what would their jerseys look like?
0: Okay, the captain's definitely Chris Jericho. Right? right, his
2: dad was a professional hockey player.
0: Then we got the goon Bill Irwin.
2: Perfect. We right? got an enforcer. Yeah, player. we got enforcer.
0: Okay. Uh, Brett, the hitman Hart, another I Canadian. A, yep. Yeah, he will be can. on that team there. Yep. Uh, uh,
2: I don't know. I'm, what I mean, about uh, Edge and Christian? They're Canadians. Did they play hockey? Yeah, I growing guess, up.
0: Probably. I think I Edge.
2: I think I've heard Edge talk about playing hockey. So yeah, I can see that. Definitely those guys. And then I think the jersey would just be like a black jersey with the Scratch logo on it, you know, or something like that.
0: Yeah, maybe something for Brett, pink and black. Since he Oh, it. yeah, use the
2: Hitman jerseys. They already yeah, have those. Yeah, they
0: already have, have them. Yeah. I know Jericho would be the captain, but, I mean, a, a Hitman's the Hitman's the senior there, so uh, yeah. we'll, let, we'll let them use the pink and black.
2: Yeah, Calgary Hitman jerseys, just use those. They already exist. And, uh, you know, play in the Western Hockey League, and we got a bunch of Canadian players. Would Hulk be on the team?
0: Uh, I'm going to say no.
2: Yeah, he's from Florida. You know, yeah. way, way before hockey. Bay, Although he's been a big hockey player. fan, he's been a big fan of the Tampa Lightning. Yeah, true. His daughter sang it a lot. Maybe Brooke could sing the anthem.
0: That'd be perfect. I can't see Hulk ice skating.
2: No, but he. I think he'd be there cheering the team on, and like I said, Brooke could ice. Brooke could uh, sing the anthem, uh, like she yeah. has in the past. So that could be pretty good. Yeah, be ball. the host. All right, we're gonna sign off. You want to say goodbye to the people?
1: Bye, everybody. Well, hold
2: on. You know what we do? What we do is we say.
1: Say your prayers, eat your vitamins, and tell your friends about the one the 24-inch pie chest, and the sports casters and 3x5 with Steve Bennett and some time all it and sometimes follow back.
0: And SummerSlam, SummerSlam 05, next time in a few weeks, brother.
1: Promise!